This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Nothing can replace the pleasure of turning the pages of the printed book. Join us now as we explore our city's rich literary heritage, talking with people who are passionate about the printed word and celebrating the Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute's fascinating local history. Welcome to Wireless Books. Welcome everyone and welcome especially to our Chief Librarian and Bossy Boots, Christine. (laughs) And we are broadcasting from the lovely studios that are Otago Access Radio and we are here all about books from the Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute, Dunedin's Library, apart from the public library, where the other library, though there is also the Hocken Library. And the university library, but I'll stop there. Um, no shortage of libraries. And the Teachers College Library. And the Teachers College Library. We are a city of literature after all. We certainly are. We've even got the plaque to prove it. What are you doing? Uh, I made a careful note of something, and of course I can't find the piece of paper that I scribbled everything on, and so I'm... Uh. Honestly, 2022, you should be using your tablet, iPad, smartphone... Oh, unfo- microchip. Unfortunately, I'm out of battery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, a, I'm such a techno person that I have been taking to doing video calls because my might have mentioned this. My father was in a nursing home, and now when my stepmother visits him, we video call each other and we have long chat. Well, my stepmother and I have chats, and my father <laughs> sort of looks into the distance, and every now and again we say, "Are you right there?" And he goes, "I'm just listening to you." Oh. <laughs> Please. So, but that uses up a lot of battery. Yeah. I, I don't understand it. <laughs> Actually, while we're on technology, I mean, I suppose we have been doing vaccine passes for such a long time now. It's pretty old hat and everything. But my, over the Christmas break, my stepsister-in-law, life gets so complicated, told me a really great hack because instead of downloading her vaccine pass, a number of people took a photo of it on the on their computer screen, and then just had it in their photo galleries, which works. But instead of having to then flick through the photo oh. galleries, she's made it as part of her wallpaper. That is such old news. Oh, I know, but you know, just in case you haven't heard it, um, you've heard it. You heard possibly. it here for the millionth time. <laughs> Thank you, Christine. Okay, radio. Well, how about I, I tempt you with a book or two? Oh thought you'd never ask. Now, I have David Baldacci. The man, does he ever go out? He just writes and writes and writes. Mm -hmm. And this is the fourth book in his Mercy series. um, And it's actually called Mercy because it's hopefully the final one. (laughs) They finally found the missing twin. or Halfway through the book, they find her. I've not not started reading that series. Oh, well, I'm sorry to have ruined it for you. (laughs) But... um, it's very complicated. Um, what happened? To, because this is where the FBI agent, when she was six, she she had the twin sister, and so, the intruder broke in and um, and kidnapped the sister, and actually attacked her as well. And so she um, she almost died, but she fought him off and had, you know, had a very strong will to live. And uh, yeah, and then very very strange family dynamic or complicated family dynamics and. 
So as in, you know, in her 30s, she's gone back to try and investigate. And all her investigations have come to fruition in this book. And so all your unanswered questions are answered. Which, you know, is kind of what you want in a book, isn't it? Definitely. One wants closure. Yes, well, I think you get a lot of closure and plus a lot of pretty exciting... Um, a lot of pretty exciting action, if I may say so. So any David Baldacci fan, um, I think you're going to be happy with this. Now, the next um, one I've got is also another murder. It's of, I imagine she's a new writer. I haven't heard of her before, Katie Lowe. And it's called The Murder of Graham Catton. And it's one of these books, very modern. It's taken on the, the pop, podcast um, phenomenon. Oh, yes. So it's, it starts 10 years ago. Hannah Cotton's husband was brutally murdered in their home. The murderer was convicted. The case was closed. But now a podcast called Conviction is investigating this horrific crime and they have Hannah in their sights. Someone knows more than they're letting on and listeners are about to become judge, jury and executioner as they uncover the truth about the murder of Graham Catton, or do they? And so... Yeah, it's one of those complicated, um, thrillery ones where nobody is who they say they or does what they say they did, and um, there's lots of um, lots lo- of twists and turns. Yes, and untruths and invasions to be uncovered and un- unplugged. And at the end, at the end, they kind of set it up for a new podcast. You think, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so yes, and that's the thing about. I think it's quite interesting because Katie Lowe is quite firmly in the camp of just because a true crime is compelling and you and you sort of treat it like it's a fiction and you want to know all the, the ins and outs, there are real people involved and real mm, feelings. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and no one... No one can, just from listening to half an hour of a podcast a week, can ever really know the ins and outs of a situation. Mm. And I think that's something um, it's very easy to forget in this this age. In this fast-paced world. Yeah, well, we were so used to to just deciding things instantly. Oh, mm. yes, they're guilty, they did this. Oh, yes, they're they're bad or, mm. or they're a goody. Mm. Um, Life's not black and white. No, okay. in fact, um, people can be both. But, yes, anyway. Now, the next one is Manette Walters. And now, Manette Walters, of course, became famous for writing um, crimes, mm-hmm. and very good ones they were mm-hmm. too. And yep. she, but they all had a consistent thread. She was all very interested in um, justice for women, how and how women um, can become mar- very easily marginalised in society, and um, it's very hard for them to stand up for their own truths. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she's then she moved on to historical novels, and she wrote. Um, links or two books that were linked together set in uh, medieval times and she's now moved forward to the English Civil War and um, Lyme Regis, apparently there was a siege of, of Lyme Regis, I, I never particularly oh, knew oh, that well. and um, she's got she's got two feisty um, female protagonists and um, a man who is a bit of a scarlet pimpernel type and you don't ever really know where on which side he stands and so the first woman is um, Jane Swift and she comes from a, a good family and she's actually trained as a doctor 
So she doesn't have the qualifications of a doctor, but she has been trained as a doctor mm-hmm. and has been practicing as a doctor, and she's actually quite good at it. But of course, because she's a woman, she's all, it's always suspect. And it starts with her, um, she's going to visit her cousin to help her cousin, because son, the cousin's son is not well, but the husband forbids her, the wife, his wife, to let any, any other physicians apart from his one see his son. And the physician that he's, he's fond of isn't any good. Right. Okay. Yeah, so anyway, um, but at the same time there's an execution taking part and, and the, the town is full of people rushing to see the, um, to see the execution. The live, uh, the live entertainment. Yeah, well, it's especially a gruesome one because, of course, it's back when people were hung, drawn and quartered. And so she gets caught up in the crowd and she gets rescued and um, taken into a house. And she meets this woman who is actually a painter. And she's a very good painter and has been making a good living at it, but she um, signs all her paintings with a man, a male name. Oh, yes, cunning. Yes, so so this is how Jane gets into this this household of someone that she wouldn't particularly know normally, and um, and then it all kicks off. She she gets she meets the the man who is the main protagonist, one of the main protagonists. He's actually supposed to be um, the the woman artist um, footman. And he takes her to his cousin to her cousin's house, but and so during the course of the Civil War, Jane doesn't take sides. She she is uses her expertise to help both sides of the mm. course, but she keeps meeting this man again. And every time she meets him, he's he has a, a different identity. One minute he's a footman, the next minute he's something else. And she she's very she's attracted to him, but she can't make him out. And um, and they have many, so it's a, a sort of a roaring adventure type thing. And um, yes, I, I think it's highly recommended. Oh, great! So that's the Swift and the Harrier. Harrier. Yes, because She's so clever, Minette Walters. I've loved her books. Yeah, I have. I haven't read. Have I read the medieval ones? You're the librarian. You would know. Mm. Um, <laughs> The last hours and no, I haven't. No. no, I have not. But isn't it funny how she turned from, um, you know, thrillers mm. um, to that? I mean, you know, the sculptress, the scold's bridal, the acid row, the tinder box, all of those. They were just so wonderful. I think. Mm, what was my favourite in them? I have to say, I one I do remember. The most was the sculptress. Now that was so sad. That was so tragic. Mm. But a lot of them too made it. Well, probably all of them. I don't know. Made it into beautiful BBC mm. dramas, and they were all, all riveting as well. Oh no, she's she's great. It's a bit like um, Nalini Singh. And she started in romance, mm. and has turned her hand to a very successful mm, uh, crime crime mm. as well. Oh, they're just so clever, these writers. I don't know. Well, I think some writers just don't like to be pigeonholed, and mm. I think her books were were always quite gritty and um, mm-hmm. quite harsh in, in mm. some ways. Yeah, and I think that probably takes it takes it out of you. So I th- 
these are much more uh, fun romps in a way. But it's but once, like I said, she's always interested in the position of woman in society and and how unfair it often is to be a woman in a man's world. There must be a song in that. Huh? Yeah, there must be. Uh, maybe I'll write it one day. <laughs> And if, if you're, you're lucky, right, it'll you're right, don't sing it. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> if you're lucky, I won't sing it. Now, this one is um, Louise Edridge, and it's called The Sentence. And she's written a Pulitzer Prize for writing for a previous book. And I picked this book up, and I read the first paragraph, and I, I just thought, oh, I've, I've got to, I have to get this book. And so I'm just going to read it to you. While in prison, I received a dictionary. It was sent to me with a note. This is the book I would take to a deserted island. Other books were to arrive from my teacher, but as she had known this one proved of endless use. The first word I looked up was the word sentence. I had received an impossible sentence of 60 years from the lips of a judge who believed in an afterlife. And so, yeah. And then I read the back of it. And it's actually, this woman is, like I said, you know, she's in prison for, <coughs> excuse me, a crime that, it's sort of a weird crime. And she or she almost can't believe that she, that it happened, that it all happened. Because she was a woman who was um, living a drug-fueled existence. And so she got herself, she found herself doing something that was strange and odd. Excuse me, I just have to cough. <coughs> Uh, need a glass of water, and so she she was found guilty and um, sentenced to this very long period of time. And while she was in prison, of course, she she got clean, and then she started to rehabilitate herself. And she was a smart woman, and she started to read books, and she loved books. And when she she ended up being released, and she started working in a bookshop, and so she's working in this book shop and she's very respectable and then the bookshop, one of the customers in the bookshop dies and haunts the bookshop as, as a ghost and of course it's the customer who's who's the most um, awkward customer, who's always asking them awkward questions and annoying she was a good customer but she was also an annoying customer, so they're being haunted by this ghost and I just love the premise of it um yeah, so so Flora is the is the ghost. She died on All Saints Day, and she won't leave the store. And so Tuki, who is is the woman who's writing about it, um, must solve the mystery of the haunting, because of course, to start with, it's just a sound haunting. She can hear the rustling of of the woman because she used to wear a lot of silk and would rustle as she moved, so she could hear her. And then the ghost starts to become more aggressive, and she's she's actually genuinely terrified of this of this ghost. And the others start to, the other people who work there, and it's also during lockdown, so they're in this in the bookshop, and they're sending books out because people can't come, so they're sending you know making packages of books to send out to people, and because it's COVID, they can't work. They've got to work individually. They can't. So this woman. To keep her job, which she loves, she's got to be in the bookshop with this ghost who, who is just freaking her out, and she's got to solve the mystery of it. And I read, I've read quite a bit of it, and I really enjoyed it. 
For more information on the Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute, go to www.dunedinathenaeum.org.nz. That's Dunedin, A-T-H-E-N-A-E-U-M.org.nz. Ah, back again. And speaking of being back again, the library is going to be opening in um, two days' time, Monday the 30th. So do come in and say hello to me or... Yeah, better still. <laughs> get a book. <laughs> it's up to you. Well, if you come in and get a book, it would be nice if you said hello to me as well. <laughs> now, I, I didn't ask you. Um, I couldn't make it to the Heritage Weekend because I was um, away with family. But how was it? It was actually quite good. We didn't have that many people in, but everybody who came in was very interested and um I had a lovely time talking because, of course, I can talk and talk about the library. So I had I had a lovely time boring them them solid. I'm sure you managed to get many members that day. We did get one. Oh, well done! That's wonderful. Yeah, he's a very nice man. He actually he he wandered around and he he said, oh, "I'd like to join." And so I said, "Okay." And then I said to him, "Oh, would you like to take a book now?" And his wife said, "He's actually got the books he wants picked out already." Oh. Wonderful. Oh, that is wonderful. So, which would bring us to a great time for the new year to say, if any of you would like to join the Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute, it, it doesn't matter if you're a member of the public library, okay? You could still come in and join $69, including GST, for a whole year, an annual subscription, and you too can enjoy all of the wonderful, 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 wonderful books that are encased in the in the beautiful building. One thing that people quite often say to me is that, especially people who like detective series, is that if they, you know, if they like Ian Rankin, if they like Louise Penny, we have them all there. Whereas if you go to the public library, it's sort of it's hard to read a whole series through, especially if you don't. Read them as as they come out. Mm, they yeah. don't they don't keep books or books and series very much. And I know people who like science fiction get quite annoyed about it. Oh. Well, it's it is if it's annoying. It is annoying it's if annoying. you if you like a series and you want to keep reading the series to, and to find that you you know yeah. you've got the first two books and then you haven't got the next three and yeah and you got well, yeah. join the library and. Uh, There'll be no more annoyance. Well, I, I can't guarantee that. I'm sure I can annoy you in other ways. But. Oh, yeah. That's right. I forgot about you. <laughs> uh, I'll be glad when the library's open. I tell, Look, during COVID, uh, you know, essential services remained open. Oh, I shouldn't say COVID, but full lockdown, essential services remained open. The library is an essential service. Look. Bookstores open, contactless. That's what, mm. if we ever, heaven forbid, go into another lockdown, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to be an essential worker and you'll have to get hold of the government about that. I don't know how that works. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, the details. I don't know the details. Um, and then you'll be open um, and then we can go and click and collect or whatever it's called our, our books. Yeah, essential service, definitely. Wow. Hands up in the studio who agrees. Oh, unanimous. Well, I didn't see my hand going up. 
Now, I think as it's the new year, we might as well start on a somber note. Oh. Misappropriation of Maori land. Now, I think because oh. we live in the South Island, we tend to think that there weren't that many Maori there and we treated them well, but um, apparently not. Oh. And this is in the ODT from a hundred years ago, and like I said, I haven't written the date on it, so... So it's at least 100 years ago. That's 100 years ago. Mm. Mm. Probably 101 years ago now. The explanation of how Princess Street comes to be so wide in all its southern part through no, no doubt will be enough well known to the older generation will come as something of a shock to many present day residents. I think that's true. The story was referenced or referred to the museum last night by Dr Fulton in the outset of his vivid and informative historical lecture on the Maori Wars. He described the incident as an extraordinary breach of faith on the part of the founders of the province, which might easily have plunged us into bloodshed and massacre. The deliberate mass misappropriation of, Maori, of the Maori Reserve in Princess Street, with all rents and appropriates thereon of value very considerable in the 50s and hardly calculable at the present day, is now a matter of ancient history. To begin with, distinct guarantee was given by the original purchasers of the Otago block to the tribes that the reserve would be set apart for them for all time, giving them access to the front of the settlement for their boats. And Crown Grant was made out to the Maoris by then-Governor Gore Brown in 1853, giving them this reserve of water front from about Jetty Street as far north as Manor Place. The letting of this reserve to various tenants in quite a legal way the accumulation and retention of all rents accruing, and finally deliberate provincial legislation ignoring the promise and grant and transferring the reserve through another grant to the superintendent in 1866. So that's less, just over 10 years it took them to totally renege. Absolutely breaking the white man's word, all this makes one realise that for certain conditions of climate and consequent very sparse settlement of natives, comparatively placid type, the people might have paid very dearly for this possibly expedient but foolish and wrongful act. Dr Filton explained this part of the stolen reserve was used for widening Princess Street and proceeded to illustrate for North Island history the terrible retribution that overtook similar breaches of faith up here, up there. Now, I never knew that. Did you, did you know that? No. No, I, I would imagine very few people would know it. And, um, and it is interesting because... Yeah, I just think Princess Street is very wide. It's very useful nowadays with all the with the traffic and everything. Mm. It's just as well it is wide because Needham Streets are notoriously narrow. So it is. It's, yeah, you think, oh yes, Princess Street is quite wide down there, and now we know. Mm. And good on Doctor Fulton for one hundred years ago, actually yeah. admitting yeah. about the disgraceful, disgraceful. Mind you. You know, our job isn't to be on the side of history, it's to learn from it. And Well, well that's true. I mean, I imagine that when that promise was made, the the shore actually was in Jetty Street. I mean, because mm. I remember one of the building that was, went to, was set on fire oh, about 10 years ago and has been redone since. When they were digging out the basement, they found a wharf down there. And, you know, Jetty Street. I mean, that's oh, wasn't, wasn't called Jetty Street for, for nothing. nothing. Oh, it was, yeah. 
So, and in fact, um, Jim Sullivan's book at the back of it has got an illustration of the very first Athenaeum building, and that's down by the you know, the Cardinal Monument. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah, and it's down yeah. by with this water up to there. Yeah. I know that's incredible. I love that illustration. Yes. It's just amazing. So when that promise was made to the tribes, that was actually they were you know, that was the, the seashore, and um, they they, you know, they needed that space to take their boats off and go go fishing and mm. and look for clams and whatever they were, wanted to do, and of course then we immediately started to reclaim the shore, and so. In ten twenty years, that there was no of the practical purpose of it was gone, mm. but even so, it was just um, yeah, misappropriation. Yeah, it was stealing and, actually. Yeah, and not just well, yeah, they actually stole money. Essentially, mm. they they mm. immediately started renting yeah. it out and taking yeah. the money and yeah. But, Oh, well, look, I'm glad the library's back open now. If you want to hear more uh, facts like that, there are plenty of of um, documentary-style books. Yes, and that's you, not quite the right word, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Factual. And, and if you want to see the... Because we keep talking about this picture on the back of Jim's book, which is a beautiful painting. It is. Come in and have a look because yeah. it's, it's just... We need to get a print of that, a large one, and, and frame it and hang it in the library. That's a good idea, actually. Oh, thank you. We'll end on that positive note, shall we? Until next time, everyone. Oh, happy reading. Yes, happy reading. The Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute welcomes new members. Enjoy the Athenaeum's quiet, warmly carpeted library and reading room and share in the joy of books, new and old. Visit www.dunedinathenaeum.org.nz for more information or pop into the Athenaeum Library at number 24, The Octagon. The Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute, celebrating Dunedin's rich literary heritage since 1851. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On the Air.